0: so is spring like here for good <laughs> little little little, little, little uh, poll show of hands how many think spring is here for good to stay how many think that and how many are like going eh, i'm not so sure you, you never it, let's just say it is uh i checked the forecast it's going to be in the 50s all week wow heat wave and uh uh, I, no, I, I'm pretty sure it's here, here for good. And the reason I mention that is because if spring's here for good, then summer's not on its way. And, I, and whenever I think about summer, uh, one of the things I think about summer is is uh, not just vacations, but I think about reading. Because, you know, sometimes you get a little more time to read in the summer. You can read around the pool a little more, or read on vacation, or, you know, sitting out on your deck, or whatever. A little more opportunity to read. So, what I wanted to do this morning and next week is just just recommend uh, a good book for you for some for some summer reading and uh uh it, it's a it's a book that I'd recommend for 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 a number of reasons. Um uh for for one it's real short. I like short book It's only, it's only got like five short chapters. And uh In fact, it's so short. I would recommend that you just go ahead and read it this week, and and then you can have a book read before summer even gets here. You know, uh, first time for everything. And uh, uh, it's short. And uh, the the other thing I like about it it, it, it's 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 a book um, in the Bible. The word it's interesting. The word Bible literally means books, plural. And so it's one of the books within it. And, it, and it's, it's, this, it's this book called the book of James. It's towards the end of the New Testament. And it's just real short. It's five, it's five chapters. And in fact, in, in, in this Bible here, it's, only, it's, only, it's, it's less than three full pages. Awesome, huh? There's only like, it's short. And, and the thing that's cool about it is it's not a part of the Bible that's got a lot of big, hard-to-pronounce words in it. So you got to love that, so it's short. And it's kinda, but the re, main reason I recommend it to you all is that, is that uh, uh, if you're serious about wherever you're at in your spiritual journey, and I, hope, and I hope you are, even if you're not sure what you believe or what's what, I hope in at least your spiritual search, I hope, it, I hope it's something that you're serious about. If you're serious about it, I, I, think, I think the book of James is like awesome. I think it's a tremendous guide for anybody who's serious about their spirituality. And by serious, here's what I do not mean. By serious, I do not mean solemn. <laughs> I don't mean, you know, like humorless or no fun. I don't, I don't mean serious like that. I mean, like, you know how sometimes when people start dating, you know, they've been dating for a while, somebody will say, oh, well, you, you, you and so-and-so are dating. Is it, are you, are you serious? And that's I mean it's generally considered a good thing if you want it to be, and uh, uh, as long as both people are I suppose. And uh, so I mean serious like that. I mean serious like important. I mean serious like this spirituality thing is just it's not something I'm just dabbling in or just something that I'm you know uh, just kind of uh, uh, goofing around with. But no, my relationship with God is something that uh, messed up as I am is super important to me and. So that's what I mean by serious. Am I making some sense on what I mean by serious? Okay, thank you. At least four of you are understanding what I'm saying. And, and, and so I'm recommending the book of James to you because it's short and it's easy to read and it's just packed with tons of practical stuff for anybody who's serious about their spirituality or who wants to be. And one of the first things that the book of James says to anybody who wants to be serious or who is serious ...about their spirituality, about their relationship with God... ...is if I want to be serious about it... ...there's this serious thing that i got to seriously understand... ...and I, I'm sure you'll pick it out real easy... ...from this first verse that we're going to put up here on the screen. This is from from James chapter 1... ...and this, this is starting with verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, "...God has tempted me, for God cannot be tempted by evil... ...nor does He tempt anyone... But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Now, uh, just 13 verses into this short little book, already you can tell what it's talking about. Mentions it five times in one verse temptation. And, and I think it's worth talking about because I think we live in a culture that's not real serious about temptation. I think in our culture we tend to associate temptation with like you know a, a cute little angel on this shoulder and a cute little devil on this shoulder, and they're like having an argument about how much chocolate cake we should have, and and, and we think that's uh, temptation, uh, which I suppose maybe it is. But no, no, James is saying, oh, it's a lot more serious than like cartoon images of. Little angels and little devils on people's shoulders on TV. Uh, temptation is a serious thing, and, and and notice what it says right there in, 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 in James chapter one verse th- uh, thirteen. Actually, notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say if you are tempted. Yeah, somebody actually here said it. You read my mind. Wow, amazing. It, it doesn't it doesn't say if. What's it say? When. when. Now I'm not great at grammar which I'm sure you can tell by my accent, but I know the difference between if and when. If is maybe. When's definitely. All right? So, temptation's a serious thing because it's not a matter of if. It's, it's a matter of when. It, it, it's inevitable. And, and then, if that, if that weren't serious enough, look what it says at the end of the verse about, about what's at stake. It says that when, when we're tempted, what's at stake is is the possibility of being enticed and dragged away. Wow, that's intense, isn't it? Enticed and dragged away. But to, to understand what this is talking about here, I'd like to use a, a, an analogy that also has to do with, with uh, another summer activity. Fishing. How many, how, many, how many like to fish? All right, all right. Uh, I'm not a big fisherman, but, I, but I've done my share ...of fishing over the years. And I do admit it was mostly on this little pond on my grandfather's farm when I was a kid. But I've caught a lot of fish in my day. And though I'm no fishing expert, I do know this. Every single fish I caught uh, didn't realize two things. One was that the worm dangling in front of them had a hook in it. They They didn't notice that. And they also didn't notice that that hook was attached to a line... ...that was attached to me. And I was going to use that line... ...to uh, yank them... ...where they didn't want to go. I mean, think about this. I, I just think this way sometimes. Ever wonder why fish... ...don't figure this out? I mean, come on now. I mean, if you're a fish... ...and every single time a worm comes floating down... ...and one of your buddies eats it... ...and they immediately just go shooting up... ...out of the water and never come back... ...I mean... You'd think word would get around, wouldn't you? But fish don't figure this out. How can fish be so dumb when they spend so much time in schools? (laughs) No, I I apologize. That was bad. Boo that one. You should boo that one. That was terrible. I apologize for that there, Lord. And please be with all those pygmies down in New Guinea. Amen. Uh, No, think about it. Seriously, in all seriousness. Fish get caught because they don't realize they're being fished for. And James is telling us in in no uncertain terms, spiritually speaking, forgive me for being ominous, but spiritually speaking, what it's saying about temptation here, about this whole enticed, dragged away business, what it's saying is, well, I'll just say what it's saying to me. It's saying, Tim, Tim, Somebody's fishing for you. And they're wanting to drag you someplace you don't want to go. And now James is real clear about who's not fishing for you. Look what it says. For it says, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted, nor does he tempt anyone. If you were ever taught that God puts you in difficult situations just to see if you'll do the right thing or not... No, it's not true. It's not true. God is not like that. aren't you glad, man? life's hard enough. God's not like that. He's not like that. That is totally clear from scripture. when tempted, nobody should say, oh God's tempting no, no no, James says that somebody else is fishing for me and 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 says that what he uses in the verses says he uses our uh evil desires and 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 this is worth talking about, too, because not only is uh, our culture a little bit uh, uh, not very serious about temptation, I don't think we're real serious about evil. I mean, most folks I know uh, would say that that beyond, you know, like terrorism and serial killers, evil is not a very common thing in the world. But the book of James says otherwise. Uh, one author I was reading about this put it this way, and what I'm about to read you is a direct quote, and it's real serious. It is. I'll tell you in advance. It's real serious. So if it's too serious and it bothers you, I didn't write it. I'm just reading it, okay? But, but uh, I thought this was well put. I quote, How do you explain the fact that over 60 million people have been slaughtered on battlefields in the 20th century alone? How do you explain genocide? in Rwanda, and Iraq? How do we explain greed and theft by corporate executives who are already millionaires? How do you explain 25 million men in our country spending 1 to 10 hours a day viewing porn on the Internet? How do you explain a father who sexually molests his own daughter? How can you explain a mother who could throw her own newborn baby in a dumpster? Do we really think it can be explained solely by a difficult childhood or a flawed educational system? Or is, it, or is the Bible right when it says that on the other end of every temptation there is something real called evil, dangling the lure, holding the line, ready to drag us where we don't want to go? End quote. See, see James tells us, real serious, that evil is not just like the awful things that you see on the news that, 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 you know, that I would never do. James says that some of the things that I tend to to want to do are evil i i again I'll just speak for me when i when I want to lash out when I feel like a strong earthman just lash out and hurt somebody because they offended me or they insulted me that's understandable but it's evil uh, when I want to keep all my money for myself when half the world is living well below the poverty line and just crushing poverty. 40,000 children died last night of preventable illness and hunger-related illness. In a world of crushing poverty, when I keep all my stuff just for me, you can say for you, but I'll say for me. That's evil. And see, that's why temptation is serious. Because somebody's fishing for me. And, and and it's interesting in the scripture. Get back on the screen for me again here. In the scripture, when it says about our evil desires, it says, uh, "Nor does he tempt." Anyone. It says, "See there." It says, "Each one is tempted when by his by his own evil desire." Now this is this might seem like a, a, a not not that big a deal, but it's real important. When it says that he got to understand temptation is that we're tempted by our own evil desires, it's saying that temptation's not generic. That temptation's not a one size fits all sort of thing is that for each of us in our lives there's temptation that's tailor-made again fishing analogy anybody see that movie uh river runs through it how many saw river runs through it there's a picture there brad pitt's in it some women say that he's somewhat handsome um i'm told in real life he's actually short and dumpy and very ordinary looking Um, that's just what they say and uh no i i just said that to be weird uh but in the movie there's this scene where I believe it's Brad Pitt and he's, he's a fly fisherman and, and he's, and he's going to pick which lure he's going to fish with and, 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 and he picks up a bug off the ground. And he puts that bug in his hand and then he reaches in his tackle box or whatever it is or bag and, and he pulls out a lure that looks just like the bug that was crawling around on the ground. Now I'm no expert fisherman but I look this up. That's a technique called matching the hatch. And the best way to catch a fish, I'm told, when it comes to fly fishing, is you figure out what, 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 are the, what, what bugs and insects are already around that the fish are already hungry for. And, uh, and, you, and you make the bait imitate that. That bait is custom picked to match what the fish are already drawn to. And again, I just want to be real with you. Somebody's fishing for you and he knows how to bait the hook he dangles different things in front of different people I'm I'll just be real real I'm not tempted to smoke weed but the guy sitting next to me at the last Dave Matthews concert <laughs> he sure was and man he, he he did not put up much of a fight Now, I'm no better than him because I'm not tempted by weed. I'm just tempted by different things, you know, like beefy, cheesy burritos from the drive through at Taco Bell at 2 o'clock in the morning. And, but in all seriousness, I, I'm tempted by judgmentalism, and I'm, I'm tempted by greed, and I'm tempted by pride, and I'm, and I, and, and, and I, and I'm tempted by, by just all sorts of different things that, that, that are uh, maybe not unique to me but are custom-made. to to lure me. You know why? Because somebody's fishing for me. Now don't answer out loud, but what are you tempted by? Especially don't answer out loud if what you're tempted by is Brad Pitt. What are you tempted by? Are you tempted by the chance to make a few extra bucks or get ahead somehow in business by being less than honest? Are you tempted by that opportunity to raise a few eyebrows with that latest, juiciest piece of gossip? Uh, Are you tempted by that urge to put somebody down or to seek revenge or to make yourself look good by stretching the truth? I mean, seriously, I'm not getting on you. I'm just asking you to answer the same question I ask myself. What bait do you find it hard not to take? We all got it. Every one of us got at least one, one kind of bait. It's hard not to take. And that's because somebody's fishing for us, and he's a pro. He knows how to match the hatch so we can be enticed and dragged away to someplace we don't want to go. Somebody's fishing for you. And just in case we miss the seriousness of temptation, James sounds the alarm. Look how serious this is. James 1.15, quote, after evil desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full, full grown, gives birth to death. Now our analogy has moved from fishing to reproduction. I'm sure I have someone's attention now. Uh, it's on reproduction. Did you, did you know that sin has babies? It does. But sin's babies don't look like the Gerber baby. See, we got to get something. Listen. We got to understand this. Temptation's not not just a matter of right and wrong, good and bad. It's a matter of life and deadness. And I, I'm just trying to be as real, real as I can be. Uh, I've known plenty of people who've given into the temptation to hold on to resentment, and it's brought deadness to their hearts. And I've known people who've given into the temptation to fudge the facts on their resume, and it's brought deadness to their careers. And I've known. Folks who've given in to all sorts of temptation, including myself, and it can bring so much deadness. And listen, please don't misunderstand me, y'all. We're not talking about, please do not go, temptation is about religious rules. No, 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 no. It's not about religious rules. It's about life and deadness, and here's how it works. We get enticed and dragged away into some place. We don't want to go by stuff that's really, really hard for us to resist because somebody's fishing for us. And please don't think that this the book of James, I'm not reading that, preacher guy. That's all negative. I don't like that negative stuff. This, no, no, no. James is not like some book full of don't, 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 don't. It's not like that. Look at what James says next. James one there There's been talking all about all this... Pretty serious stuff. And all of a sudden in James one seventeen, James says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Now think about this. If he hasn't changed the subject, why is he suddenly talking about good things? Goes from talking about evil desires to talking about good things. Good question. Thanks for asking. Here's the answer. This is saying that desire and wanting things is not the problem. That's not the problem. This is saying that that God is good and God's put just tons, tons and tons and tons of awesome, good, wonderful things in the world to want that are desirable. You've got to understand this. God is not anti-desire. Being serious about your faith does not mean becoming a, you know, a desireless person. I'm not knocking Buddhism, but Buddhism teaches that to be spiritual, you need to be desireless. But Jesus doesn't teach that. Desire is not the problem. It's what we desire. If we're going to be serious about being close to God, we've got to know the difference between what it's talking about in James 1.17 about these good things that we can desire and something else we're, de- we're desiring because somebody's fishing for us. So let's talk real quick about how to deal with serious temptation. The, the first thing, I, I already mentioned it, but I'll just say it again. Please know that temptation is inevitable. And please know that somebody's fishing for you who wants to drag you someplace you don't want to go. That's the first way to deal with temptation. Next way to deal with temptation, look what it says. James 1.18, going right through it. Next verse, we were just on one seventeen. now we're on one eighteen. He, meaning God, chose to give us birth through the word of truth. See, here's that reproductive analogy again. And then what it's saying is to deal with temptation most effectively, you, you got to know your birth order. Quick show of hands, how many people here today were born? Just checking. See, a lot of y'all are just like not even humoring me and raising your hand, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, I was born December 28th, 1982. <laughs> 1972? Okay, before that. But I, that, that, no, December 28th is my birthday. That was my, that was, that was my, my birthday. But I had a second one. And I had a second one not because, I'm any good at being good because I'm not. And, I'm, and I didn't have a second birth because I deserved it or earned it because I didn't and I can't. I got a second birth that was not by way of my earthly parents. It's, it's just something God did in my life through Jesus just because just He loves me and He forgives me. For all those times that I've allowed myself to be enticed and dragged away. See, when James says he chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that's saying that when a person decides to give their life to Christ, Christ's spirit takes up residence within that person and they're spiritually reborn. Which is kind of a heavy thought, but it's a cool thought. The person is spiritually reborn and with that rebirth comes a new source of power within a person to deal with temptation. God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, He's a lot of things, but He's he's an inner voice that I can learn to recognize better and better and better. And, 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 And so many times He warns me in love. He says, Tim, Tim, buddy, you're being tempted here. Somebody's fishing for you. Now, obviously, I don't always listen to the Spirit, but He says no matter what, He'll never leave me. Man, I don't know about you, but I need that so bad. And I need to ask you, and again, don't answer this out loud. I need to ask you the most serious, since we're being serious today, uh, the most serious question I know to ask you. I know you have a first birth because you're sitting here. But have you had a second? I don't mean are you religious. I don't mean are you better than someone else. I mean, have you had a second birth? And you can. Because you can say to God, God, I, I want to turn away from all that stuff that keeps enticing and dragging me away in places to places I don't want to be with things that are not good. I want to turn from that and I want to turn to you and I ask your forgiveness and I, I invite you. Here's the, here's, here's the keys to the ignition of my life. You're my leader. You're my center from now on. That's a personal decision and then you follow that personal decision up with a public declaration, a public act of commitment which is what baptism is, and it just so happens that we're having a big baptism weekend next weekend here at West Ridge. And what's cool is when I planned what I was going to talk about today, I didn't know that we were going to be doing baptisms next week. I love it when a plan comes together. How convenient. And maybe you're at the place in your spiritual life where you go, you know what, I need to know for sure that I've had a second birth. And uh, baptism is a lot of things, but it's about that too. God needs a second birth, and, and and then one other way to get serious about temptation: first is realize I'm being tempted; that somebody's fishing for me, and that it's inevitable. Second thing is, man, I need a second birth. I need I, I I'm not I'm not strong enough. I need I need another spiritual power within me through a spiritual rebirth. And then and then here's the here's the third way to resist to to succeed. Against temptation. Look what it says. He chose to give us birth. There's that birth thing again. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Now that's odd. First fruits. What's that? I mean, it almost sounds like a name of a kid's cereal or something. Doesn't it? New Kellogg's first fruits. No, see, this is an agricultural analogy. Anybody here raised on a farm? three okay um my grandfather was a farmer he worked all year just real hard but until that first batch comes in he doesn't know if he's having a good year or if he's going to have any money at all so that first harvest is a big deal right first fruits it's a big deal and in fact historically god's people um, um in agricultural societies anyways one of the ways they showed god um honor and love was by taking the first part of the harvest and giving that to god because if you think about it if i give god the first part of the harvest and then something happens like a storm or insects or something and it eats up the second and third part i'm kind of in a bad way because i just gave god the first part because the first cause see the first part's sacred. The first part's special. The first part is the most valuable part. But see, this isn't about crops and, and what you do for God. This is about how God feels about you. For you to understand and for, for me to deal more effectively with temptation, He says, be reminded that you're first fruits. And that's, that's just a way of saying, you've got to understand how important you are to me, the Lord says. He's saying, remember that you are first fruits to God Himself first fruits are the best part of a crop the sacred part the special part you you matter to god far beyond your wildest dreams and when you're being when i'm being enticed by stuff i need to remember that i'm special to god and that i have a special place in his heart not cuz i earned it or deserve it but because he loves me i need to remember that When I'm tempted, when I was little growing up in in Sunday school, there was this song they taught us, and you you might recognize the tune, but maybe not because I don't sing so hot. Um, But there was this song they taught us, a little kid's song, something like this. Uh, There were a number of verses. I don't know which one was first, but but one of them would, would go, Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little hands, what you do. Then the next verse would say, So be careful, little feet, where you go. Then there'd be another part that would say, So be careful, little eyes, what you see. And then there'd be another part that would say, So be careful, little mouth what you say and then they would always have the same chorus for the father up above is looking down in love but I, but I grew up in a real like negative legalistic tradition so I didn't hear you know, for the father up above is looking down in love I heard it like or the father up above will squash you like a bug so be careful little Tim what you do this is not about that God is not like that. Yeah, I need to be careful what I do. Yeah, I need to be careful where I go. Yeah, I need to be careful what I see. Yeah, I need to be careful what I say. But it's not because if I don't, God's going to squash me like a bug. I've got a father in heaven who loves me. And who's going to be there for me. Even when I allow myself to be enticed and dragged away. So, got to ask you, even as I ask myself, are you serious about this God thing? Or are you just dabbling? If you're going to be serious about it, you've got to be serious about temptation because somebody's fishing for you. But more importantly, somebody else loves you and will never leave you. Will you let him in? For the first time, maybe the first time in a long time. That's all I have to say about that. Let's pray. Help us, Lord. We are so much in need of you. I pray for anybody right now who's being dragged away to someplace they don't really want to go, whether they're being dragged away physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually. I don't know. I'm not thinking of anybody in particular. I pray for myself. Please help me to not be dragged away to the place I don't want to be. We need you. We need you.